0: my fellow Ripplers, this is Chris Miles, your cash flow expert and anti-financial advisor. Welcome to our show. It's for you. Those who work so hard for money, and you're now ready for your money to start working harder for you today. You want that freedom of cash flow now, not 30 or 40,000 years from now, but you want it today so you can live that life that you love with those that you love. But most importantly, we know it's not just about getting rich because ultimately you want to create a rich life because as you're blessed financially, you can have a greater capacity to serve and bless the lives of those around you. That is a ripple effect I'm here to create for you guys today. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you guys. You've been binging on these episodes like crazy. You've been sharing them with others. And even more importantly, what I love is that you guys are acting upon those things that are being taught. So thank you so much for doing so. If you haven't done so already, be sure to uh, subscribe to our Money Ripples main YouTube channel. Now we have all of our podcasts there with all these other videos we have coming out that are current events that you'll want to stay up on. So be sure to check that out today. Hey, how amazing would it be if you could create monthly cash flow, passive income, from making at least double-digit returns on your money? And get this, it's only a $1,000 or more that you need to invest. Guys, that's exactly what Secured Investment Corp. does. They actually do short-term lending to real estate investors that's backed by real estate that you can actually earn Double-digit returns on it—that means ten percent or better. It's also IRA-friendly, and you can even reinvest those monthly distributions to create compound interest on your money too. So, guys, if you want to learn more about that, go check out SecuredInvestmentCorp.com. That's Secured, S-E-C-U-R-E-D InvestmentCorp.com. All right, guys. So I'm bringing on a guest that I haven't had on for several years, and, and now that we're like right around like episode, you know, seven sixty something, right? Um, we probably it's probably about time we brought Chris Prefontaine back with us. Now, uh, if you guys don't know who he is, he's actually the founder of Smart Real Estate Coach, uh, as well as well Wicked Wicked Smart Companies. But he's also the host of the Wicked of the Smart Real Estate Coach podcast. Man, I got to get that straight. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> basically, you look up real estate, Chris Prefontaine, you've got him right. Um, he's a four time best selling author of books like Real Estate on Your Terms, The New Rules of Real Estate Investing, and others. Um, he's also even better, this guy's got over 31 years of experience. This guy's been through many cycles, which we want to talk about today. Everything from constructing new homes in the 90s to owning real estate executive franchises to running his own investment, both commercial and residential you know, investments that he's got. And he coaches clients all across North America, specifically getting them in the trenches and helping doing deals with them. Um, in fact, he, they've completed over $100 million in transactions to date. So Chris, welcome to our show.
1: Thanks, buddy. Uh, Good to be back and good to chat with you again. We were just on on my show. I I love the anti-financial advisor just because I'm always, I wouldn't say go against the grain, but in creative real estate, it's not conventional, right? So it's kind of anti-conventional. So I love it.
0: Well, it's true. I mean, like anything conventional, pretty much ordinary status quo, pretty much just, it sucks. (laughs) It just just doesn't usually work. You know, successful people are the minority, not the majority. And that's why uh, we have guys like you on here today.
1: No, I appreciate it. Well, I guess we could ask the, the fellow Ripplers if that statement you just made, do you want to be ordinary? Like who yeah. wants to be ordinary? It's kind of like a depressing thought. So just the way you said that, I'm like, okay, well, who would want that? Exactly.
0: Yeah. We already know we don't want the status quo life because status quo Life is barely surviving. Right. It's yep. you know, as I was kind of thinking about this morning, you know, most people, when they think about retirement quote unquote, right. Really what it is is, Hey, I hope I have just enough that I can ration off my money until I, hopefully don't die too, too late. Right. Like I hope I, if I live long enough, I can ration off and just be, you know, super cheap and skinny on my money. And that's just not a way to live. You know, there's no freedom in that. So give us more of your story, Chris, tell us more about the background. Like what even got you to real estate in the first place?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I grew up around it, Chris. I don't know if you, if we even talked about that in your last show, but my father, he wasn't in real estate quote unquote, he had a welding supply business, but he would build his own buildings, brick and mortar. And then yeah. leased them back to himself. Now, I never got that as a kid. I remember asking that, going, I don't get that. It's, it's, it's you. You're leasing it back to you. But now I get it. He leased it back to his companies. It was pretty cool. And he hung around with people that did a few deals on the side, like land deals and engineer some raw land and flip, you know, things like that. So I was around it. And then in the, I'm going to date myself here, but in the 80s, I read Trump's first book that when, he, when it came out, he was in real estate, this is nothing to do with politics. And then I just had the itch. Even going to college, I went to college, but I I didn't go, they didn't have cool real estate courses then. They do now Mm -hmm. and they do in in creative real estate, but back then they didn't. So I just worked on the side and then by 90, I think it was 91, I got into real estate. That that was my foray into it. You mentioned a couple of the niches I've hit, but I've been at it since 91. So I've been through a couple cycles, unfortunately. unfortunately. Just a few. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and
0: here's the thing that I, I see a lot. There's always recency bias, right? Every show I go on to, if I'm going to a host that's not in the real estate game, they'll say, well, isn't real estate going to crash? Right. And as I was like, you know, if you look at the last six recessions, one time it crashed and that was the last one, but everybody assumes it's going to crash. And if you think it's going to crash again, that's usually how you know it's not going to crash. Right. But what's your take on that? What do you, I mean, you've, you've been around the block for a while. What, what is your take on what's going on right now?
1: Yeah, I have a few takes, <laughs> but it's not It's not in any priority order. Let me just mention a few things that come to mind when you say that. First mm-hmm. of all, 08, was it a crash? Of course it was. But an yeah. entirely different set of circumstances than we have now and, quite frankly, than was ever in history. But even though that was unique, right, mm-hmm. were there people that made money in real estate, not just the bankers who took it down, I'm Not, I'm, you know, the, the mutual fund. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about in real estate, in creative real estate in particular, where I am now. Are there people that made plenty of money and did well and so Yes. Plenty. Unfortunately for me, oh, I, I say unfortunately. Unfortunately, when I was in it from 08 till 12, in that mess. But fortunately now in hindsight, I did go through it because let me say this about any market. And then this might spawn other questions. It doesn't matter. There's one constant in real estate, Chris, as you know, and that's real estate's going to constantly change, right? We know that. Mm-hmm. It's not going to stay up, it's not going to stay down, it's not going to stay flat. If we know that, then why not, like I did after the crash, finally, after 18 years into it, I finally figured it out. And that is why not learn how to bop and weave, be the, I'd call it transaction engineer to uh, operate inside this creative real estate niche in any market and be comfortable with it. Not going, oh my gosh, the media screaming. The more the media screams, the more you want to go the opposite direction. And the more they scream, the more you can be a guide for the sellers and buyers that unfortunately are listening to that crap and you can help them. So I literally do not care. My wife asks all the time, How's that going to affect the market? How's that going to affect you guys? How's that going to affect your students? She literally, we've been married 37 years, ago. She still asks those questions, and they're provocative questions. I like them, but I always say I don't care. I really don't. We just pivot how we're going to do the deal, but we're very comfortable in our own skin that we're going to operate and profit, and doesn't matter.
0: It kind of reminds me what you're saying is similar. What uh, you know, if he, Robert Allen, right? I mean, we're talking to Bob a, a few months back, and he's just saying everything's cyclical. You know, he's like, yeah. you just move the strategy, you know, when it's this kind of market, you do this strategy, when this kind of market, you do this strategy. And it sounds like you're saying something pretty similar to that.
1: It is, so we, okay, so strategy and the ponds we fish in, right? So Mm -hmm. let me give you a quick example. So we might get our leads, for example, I'm getting micro here, but we might get our leads from expired listings that realtors couldn't sell, for sale by owners. Let's just stop there. Actually, let's go those two. During COVID, right before COVID, when everybody was chaos, I don't know what I'm going to do. We mm. were putting a house on a contract like on record numbers. Two or three short months later, the market skyrocketed. You, if you were for sale by owner, you sold your home. So was that mm. a good pond for us to fish in? No, we we're wasting time. By the time we got to, it was sold. It would be sold tomorrow. Was the expired market still a good market? Yeah, there's always there are always homes that don't sell with Realtors. Functionality, price wise, doesn't matter. There are a batch of those. And then a fail-safe list to, to swim in the pond of this list in any market is homes that are free and clear, debt-free. A third of the properties, roughly, in the United States are, are free and clear. Well, why not talk to them? They don't care what the market's doing. They're not in debt. So I'm just giving examples of you just, you fish in a different pond of lead source and you operate a little bit different strategy. Owner financing. We were doing four-year deals. During and after COVID, I said to my students, no, no, no. Push it like five, seven, 10 year deals. And just by doing that expectation, they're doing that. Why? Because the market's uncertain. So push the term out and then you don't care. Right. So those Mm -hmm. are just some examples.
0: Yeah. Let's, let's, before we talk about the future, let's go back to 20, 2008. Yeah. What, uh, what did you learn then? Like what, how did that make you a better investor?
1: Yeah. I mean, you could not have convinced me, Chris, if you and I talked between February of 12, I remember that like it was yesterday, and February, I'm sorry, February of 8 and February of 12. You could not have convinced me that it was good. But in hindsight, to answer your question, everything we do now is because of that. So what are some things? We never, ever, ever take out bank loans. Like this building I'm standing in, we just sold this on September 8th of 23. But I had a 20-year on a financing deal that I structured in 18 that I that I did not require one penny from the bank. Now, any listener, any of the fellow ripples that know what a bank loan process is now, it's grueling. I don't care if you know it or not in the, you know, I know the process and it's still growing, So I didn't have to deal with that. Owner financing is, is, is how we did that. And I'm sorry I get off on a little tangent on that one. bring me back to your initial um, thought on that, on your question. Well,
0: yeah, that's, well, that's actually a really good thing to talk about right now because most of the stress that people are talking about right now is dealing with banks, right? Especially yeah. when they did short-term variable fi- financing, and now they're wondering how they're going to do- deal with it with the higher rates. Their numbers couldn't factor in that. And what you're talking about is you just uh, owner financing. So you actually, you bought the property, you bought it from the owner and financed it through them, correct?
1: Yeah, I, all of our strategies came out of that 08 question you asked, and they, they all don't require us to go to the bank. So it doesn't matter. We do not take out bank loans. So I've, I've had uh, people call me and go, students, hey, Chris, I got great credit. I say, well, I did two till the crash. And then they say, oh, well, this bank allows me to get six properties. And with the government loans, I can get this many properties. They say, please don't, unless it's for a personal residence. That Mm -hmm. you have this like your heart set on an area for the kids or whatever. You have to Mm -hmm. be in this area. And there's no like owner financing or lease purchase deal available that you can find. Okay, maybe there's an exception there. But please, to your point, do it on a fixed loan. And do it on a very low, excuse me, loan to value. Example, quick example. We bought a house, my wife and I, uh, not too far from me. I just sold this too. But we bought a, a house. It was a little cottage. And our intent was to tear it down. I needed a little loan to do it, and the rest we did cash. Well, the little loan was like 17% loan to value. That's what I'm talking about with, if you're going to do it, be very conservative. I learned that from the crash, back to your original uh, question. Um, so we buy everything outside of banks.
0: Wow, that's awesome. So as you're as you're seeing what's going on right now, well... Before we even talk about that, let's let's describe more about how you even get con- people convinced to do owner financing, because I know that's a big question that probably some of our listeners are asking right now, so I want to go to this question yeah. first before we move to some of these other ones, but I know some people, when they hear, like, wait a minute, so this person sells you the property, but they don't really sell it, so they don't just cash out and leave, they're just right. selling it to you, but how do you, how do you convince them to do something like that?
1: Yeah, I'm glad you asked, because most, uh, actually, not just hosts. Most people in general say that exact thing. They use the word convince. They go, how do you convince them? Okay, so you never, ever, ever convince is the the issue. And I'm going to talk about this building when I put this to practice for you in a second. But the answer is you're always going to either solve a problem for that family, right, that seller, or alternatively, if they're free and clear, it's usually helping them accomplish a goal that the market's not helping them accomplish, right? So again, live examples are good. Solve a problem. A couple not too far from here, Cape Cod, resort area, gets a divorce, one's on the deed, one's on the mortgage. They are behind and they are slowly sinking. They needed it fixed like tomorrow. That's solving a problem. We did that. And we and we bought that house. The mortgage stayed in their name. Like All that stuff that we do is is was more of a fix a problem. Fast forward to this building. This building was free and clear. That's the pond we fish in. I just said that earlier, right? Well, if it's mm-hmm. free and clear, you're not fixing a problem. The guy has money, right? He, or presumably he would have pulled it out already if he needed it. So his issue was what? Why do we not have to convince him? He uh, was concerned, Chris, with two things. Estate planning. He wanted his wife and his son to inherit a cash flow stream, not a building. He since passed away, so maybe he, I don't know, maybe he knew something was going on. Right in the middle of this deal, he passed away. Uh, second reason he did it was tax reasons. He would mm-hmm. call me periodically because he forgot to put in a prepayment penalty and say, I do not, do not, do not want you to cash me out with a conventional refinance. I said, don't worry about it. We're not we don't, we don't do that. He was, he was I'm nervous about it because it was for tax planning reasons. So that's why. So we helped him accomplish a goal that market wouldn't give him. He had a sign. This is called Million Dollar Mile, where I'm pointing out my window. He had a sign out, Chris, four by eight that said "Owner Financing for mm-hmm. Sale by Owner, Owner Financing." Realtors were coming with offers, full price, offers, offers, yeah. offers, like cash in the money. Like, I, there's a sign on the on the on the highway here. Tell him yeah, I don't want. So they weren't looking to what he wanted. So they were trying to convince him to go conventional. I just had to address his goal. That's all I had to do.
0: Awesome. And what would the the terms like something like that look like
1: okay this is a building so it's a little different so i'll I'll give you Mm -hmm. two answers usually we approach a house single family because you can do this on any asset class right doesn't matter Mm -hmm. four unit six unit we've done them usually the house we're going to do no money down we're going to do monthly principal only payments no interest principal only picture the recession hedge that helps within a market like this where you every month are making a principal payment hammering down the principal i know you love that because you love the whole money right Mm-hmm. We bought a house in the water and then I'll pivot to the building. Um, not too far from here in 945,000, Chris, this is not just low end stuff, right? Yeah. And the person that sold it to us was a realtor to top it off. She couldn't sell it conventionally. We paid her $2,500 a month principal only. So 30 grand a year going against principal. Can you see why I said earlier, if you have a 10 year deal, you don't care what the market does. I'm hammering that principal through 30 grand a year, regardless yeah. of how I exit. That's a good deal. Now, the building, he was a little different. He was one of the largest landowners in the area, and he was into math. He said, Chris, I love math. I loved your book. I gave him my book before I came over. He sat in this office where I am talking to you, and he said, uh, okay, price was good. And I said, if I get my terms, he said, well, what are your terms? I said, I'd want a long term as to where my company's going to be, and, I, and we only pay principal. He nearly fell off his chair because t- principal only to him did not even compute. So here's what we did to make him happy. Remember, we're trying to solve or or help a goal. We did 18 months, I think it was, or maybe 16, whatever it was, a principal only. Then mm-hmm. whatever the balance was left, we took that and gave him the interest rate he originally wanted, and he amortized it over that rate. So he won, and we won. He said, "Great." We went to agreement and closed it. Uh, probably a third of the time you would with the bank.
0: And I'm assuming that obviously you net profit on the on the money you're receiving too versus what you're paying him, correct?
1: Yeah, with always with a house. And then this building, we inherited a 30 or 40 year tenant. It was an insurance company. Ooh downstairs. So that was a no-brainer. It almost paid me what I had to pay him monthly. So it made it a complete no-brainer. And then I filled it with some, uh, a couple other tenants and our own companies. So that made it nice. And then COVID happened and everybody went home. So we have 21 employees in this three of us here, my son and one of our office managers and everybody else is gone. So I said to the agent, lease it out. And he said, okay, a week later, he came back and said, Chris, you, you got probably a building that people might want. Do you want to sell it? I gave him a ridiculous price he gave me two offers within 10 days and we sold it. So talking to you as right off of the recent sale that I didn't expect to do
0: crazy. Now, let, let me ask you this. I mean, a lot of people will say, they'll say, well, you're just taking advantage of, you know, stressful situations. You're taking advantage of these people. How do you feel about that?
1: Uh, I'm very, I have a strong opinion on this. So let's use the one that I said, they got a divorce and it's, I'm pointing this way because they're down by the Cape Cod area. Okay. A realtor, no offense, I used to be everyone, so if you're a realtor, please don't take this personally, or a bank, would do, would go what with them? If they owe about what it's worth and they're in their inner arrears, they would probably go short sale. And if you're not short a short sale, this is a quick sale. They're going to they're gonna get less than they owe. There might be recourse in that, and they might come back and sue them. It's definitely fixed, wrecking their credit. Okay, all that is the yeah. conventional way of doing it. Fact. Okay, so now their credit's wrecked for seven years. That drags behind them. And there's not a realtor on the planet that wouldn't say, yeah, let's do a short sale. That's what they do. Okay, Mm -hmm. we go in and we go, hey, no problem. We're going to fix the arrears. You owe 4,100. There were 4,100 in arrears. It wasn't bad. We're going to pay that. And the second we pay that, your credit's going to take about six months because we're going to keep your payments up. The loan stayed in their name, Chris. We don't take over the loan. We take it over by payment, but it's in their name. So we fix it by paying the arrears, and then we start paying it on time. In about six months, their credit looks pristine. They're not even in the house anymore. So it absolutely is a complete opposite of of the taking advantage syndrome because that would be like a wholesaler or a flipper that needs to steal it. We don't mind paying top if we get our way. And that yeah. deal we own, we still own that house. Uh, there's an attorney in that house doing our rent own program because she went to uh, law school and got messed up with her credit. What a cool circus is if you think about it. So we helped the buyers who were divorced now happy and we helped the, the person who went to law school and trashed her credit and we stole own the house. Mike grandkids may own the house because we bought it, remember. With the with the loan in place, we can own it for as long as we want.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, you really bailed out that couple. Literally bailed them out. Yeah. Yeah. Help them out in their situation when they're it's already bad enough with their divorce. I know, having gone through myself, haven't gone through a divorce before. Emotionally, you can't hardly make any decisions. So to have That's why kind they of, just
1: let go. You're right. They went.
0: Yeah. To hell with that. yeah. Just help whatever you can do. Great.
1: <laughs> there's another one. I'll tell you quickly. There's another one in Maine. One of our students have. It's not ours. It's always nice to mm-hmm. to see what the students doing way up in Maine. Judy. Judy hits me with this this morning and says, and I'll be real quick here. The guy's like 33,000 in arrears and fees and escrow shortage and all this. And he said to her, I just want to be done. A realtor wanted to do a short sale. He tried it. It didn't sell. So he said to her, I just want to be done. I'm getting married. It's like in two months. So now he's at the end. We're like, just fix it for me. And he should have done it six months ago with it. But that's what we do. Yeah. Win-win.
0: That's amazing. It almost seems too good to be true, doesn't it?
1: People say that, it, look, if you can do real estate, I, I've done a lot of the niches. If you can operate in real estate and have a win-win-win like we do, buyer, seller, and us, that's pretty healthy. It's good energy.
0: Yeah. And think of it, that's the ripple effect we talk about in the show, isn't it? I mean, you yeah. really are helping people out. You're serving people. Yes, there's a win for you too, but you're able to find and negotiate that. That's the thing that's so great is that it's unconventional. But in many, many cases, there are people that need an unconventional answer to everybody trying to fit their square peg in a round hole, right? Like some people just don't want to be that round hole. They need that square peg and that square hole, I guess you say to go into, and, and that's what you offer.
1: Well, yes, don't want to be, sometimes don't even know that there's an answer. So we have people in tears, yeah. mostly the buyer side. Sellers usually understood like, oh, I heard about creative finance, but most buyers are like in tears going, I, I, I lost hope. Rates doubled. I thought I was done. I couldn't buy my family, blah, blah. So I, what, you, what I like about your ripple effect, theory and kind of protocol is think of the generational effect. You teach a family, for example, what you guys do in infant banking world. They then are going to teach the kids like this is what, cause it's so yeah. powerful, right? Generationally you affected them. Well, same with us. You have a family that just bought a home. They thought they never could, especially the rates doing what they just did. And now what are they going to do? They're going to talk about it. And then generationally that's going to ripple. It's awesome.
0: And that was be my next question. Is that kind of the strategy you're seeing leading up till now and into the future that, is becoming more of an opportunity for real estate investors they're not capturing on right now?
1: Well, yeah, I, I'm getting a lot of my students say, wow, there's a lot more popularity now with creative finance. And I go, well, yeah, but it's been around since 1600s. Uh, what's his name? Anderson Cooper wrote a book about his family because they, they were the like the Vanderbilts and Newport and mm-hmm. the mansions. He wrote a book, it's out now, I read it like a year ago, but he talked about them, his family generations ago, doing mm-hmm. um, owner financing and what they call master lease purchase in New York City before banking in the 1600s. Like, It's not new, but is it becoming more mainstream now? Yes. I don't know the stats because I've tried hard to dig into this, but I do know roughly in the early 90s when I started in real estate, about two or 3% of the transactions were done outside of banks. Like if you looked at all the transactions, Mm -hmm. that's a small number. I'm willing to bet it's somewhere in the teens. I just can't find a legitimate source to to do this, right? Because a lot of that, if it's not on MLS and if it's not on the public, you know, so we don't know. But there's a lot more being done outside of banks. You simply can't if you're buying conventionally right now as an investor. First of all, you shouldn't. You should look up what we do. But if you are, there's a lot of deals you can't make work now because the rates are crazy. You just can't make them cash flow. So, right. so if you are going conventional, you never talk to me again. You it's gonna be tough to cash flow some of those properties conventionally.
0: Yeah, and you teach people how to do this stuff, don't you?
1: That's that's all we do. And you said it, but you said a you said a good thing in the intro. We there's company, there are companies that market real well, Chris. Right, and they. They got programs and they got courses. I, I mean, we have them, but it's more so you can learn the base because what I want to do instead is do deals with you. You will learn faster interactively with us if you do deals in the trenches. You had said it in the intro, and so yeah, we coach it, we teach it, and you can do it on your own. You, you know, absolutely, you can, but you'll leave no, you'll leave less money on the table if you do it with us.
0: And who is it not for? Like, who who would this not be a good fit for this kind of program?
1: Again, nothing personal here. Except been there, been broke. I if if someone's listening. And they have and they're just living paycheck to paycheck and they haven't quite like fixed the cash thing. Please, please, please make sure you you up your hours or get a better job, you know, work to fix that. Because mm-hmm. if you need money, like you need water or air, like I did coming out of the craft, you just have to understand that there's gonna be a harder road. You can manage expectations, but you just have to understand it's not a get rich quick. So I know people say, Well, I don't think that, but if you think that it's real estate to get rich quick, you you shouldn't you shouldn't jump in. You should be jumping into any niche, not just ours, with a three to seven-year horizon plan with blinders on and stay in one niche and don't get caught with the shiny object syndrome.
0: And definitely don't mix this up and be a very passive opportunity. Like you are actively working a business, right?
1: Yeah, I'm actively working a, a, a business now. I'm sorry, let me switch that. I worked it to get it to this point, right? I started by myself after the crash. Then my son came in. Mm-hmm. Then my son-in-law. Then we got 20-something people. So I'm not as involved in the trenches, but I'm involved in the trenches with the students. Can you do what I did, bootstrap yourself out of some headaches? I had some major headaches and major debt. Can you bootstrap yourself out of that by yourself as a solopreneur? Yes. And then can you learn from myself and some of the coaches who all did it? They've all escaped a W-2, Chris. Actually, almost all our coaches did the exact same thing. So mm-hmm. they could, could they teach you? Could I teach you how to leave a W-2 if that's your goal or, or grow into a kind of a CEO where you have staff and VAs and yeah, I mean, you're, you're not as involved. Is that You can take whatever road you want. We can help you.
0: Does somebody need to have a certain amount of time that they allocate to do something like this each week?
1: Um, I always say the standard, like I don't know them yet, right? So I'm just going to give a blanket statement that they should have put aside like 10 hours or so, find find six to 10 hours in your week. If Mm -hmm. and when you do that, then we can start looking at where do you lack some skills we need to fix or where are you really shining that we could leverage and throw gas on, you know, pour gas on. So that'll just become more custom. Like people say, how quick can I do a deal? I don't, I don't know. I don't know you. I don't know you work out to get disciplined, the baggage. Like I had baggage when I came, right? Cause I had the crash. Yeah. And So some people don't have that baggage and maybe go faster than I did. So it just depends.
0: Yeah. You know, that, that reminds me of a quote from Robert Kiyosaki. I, I might be paraphrasing him a little bit here, but he basically said that that real wealth is created in your overtime hours. And that definitely sounds like is what you're doing is what you're teaching people all across North America to do is how do you create that real wealth in those overtime hours to then essentially get them out of that W2?
1: Actually, just before your interview this morning, when you and I talked on my show, I interviewed Dr. Taryn Marie, super cool lady, and mm-hmm. she gave a good thing about this transition to full-time. She said, "I would," and I agree with her, she said this way, she said, I would suggest if you have a job to stop the business, whatever the business is, if it's this, and start it part-time, obviously, and run it as hard as you can. It's, gonna, it's not going to be easy because you're going to be burning the candle on both ends until mm-hmm. such time you know you can just step across the line and leave the job and not stress out. That's the ideal. Then there's all, all kinds of things in between, but she said it that way. And I agree because it's don't, don't like leave tomorrow. So you're stressed out and you need a deal tomorrow. Like it's, it's not going to be fun.
0: No, I, I agree. I've, I've seen that transition happen for people do it too quick. And especially before yeah. they build up a good, decent amount of reserves where they can breathe. Cause if you, yeah. if you come from a place of desperation, somehow you'll sabotage your results. I've noticed, like if you're in a scarcity mindset, business does not go your way.
1: Yeah, what do they call it? There's a book and it's, it's going to slip my mind just read, but it's called Upper Limits, right? We all have Upper Limits. Mm-hmm. We don't know it, but we get there and the thermostat cools us right down. Boom, we're back down. It's it's slipping my mind, but anyway, Google yeah. Upper Limits. you'll
0: <laughs> Yeah, fine. no, it's true. Well, that's, yeah, great points. And, uh, and everybody, we'll put the link in the show notes so you guys can actually go and visit a site, learn more about what, what Chris does and what he teaches. Because if this is something that's really speaking to you, I recommend to look into it. Like really consider this could be, your alternative to getting out. And the thing I love about what you're talking about here, Chris, is that, like you said, doesn't matter what the markets are doing, you can pivot and move and you've had the experience to learn how to do just that. And, yeah. and you're right, I think pretty much in this interview, uh, I've had a lot of people, you know, I've asked them about where they see the market going. And a lot of them are like, well, I think it's going this way, but you're like, it's already going this way. We've already pivoted, we've already moved. It's almost like you're leading, kind of leading edge in this, in who this cares? scenario. <laughs>
1: Really? Like who cares where it's going? Just do your thing.
0: <laughs> That's right. Do something that works and just keep yeah. doing it. Right.
1: And actually awesome. for your tribe too, Chris, you could put it, we'll put it in the show notes, but we want to give them all the best-selling book real estate on your terms. You probably get another couple of goodies in there, but Chris, will, uh, if you'll stick that in the show notes, it's free. And it's not one of those offers that go free book. And then you got to put your credit card in for shipping. We will ship it out of this building. It's free, totally free. You'll get a package. We just need an address
0: literally free. Yep. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, appreciate that. That's very generous. We'll be sure to put that in the show notes as well. And awesome. again, everybody, you know, it's great to listen to these podcasts, but it's another thing to actually do something with that information that makes a change in your life. Don't be a hearer of the word, be a doer as well. Chris, thank you for joining us today. Very valuable information, very wise. And everybody else, you know, if this like I said, if this is speaking to you, the links are in the show notes there. You can go ahead and and visit that, claim your free book. Uh, literally free book. And, uh, and make your first moves to, towards your freedom. So everybody, go and make it a wonderful and prosperous week. We'll see you later. Thank you. Yes. Hey! Visit us online at moneyripples.com for more resources to help you fix money leaks and get your money working harder for you now.